Hello, and welcome to another White Horse Media presentation. White Horse Media presents Amazing Discoveries with international speaker and best-selling author Steve Wolberg. Our goal is to continue to produce life-changing and biblically-based presentations. We hope you enjoy this series. At the end of this CD, you'll receive more information on this ministry and how you can obtain some additional resources. In today's program, Steve will examine Armageddon and the Seven Last Plagues. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 11, the 19th verse. Thank you for coming. Tonight is really a big subject. It just almost gives me shivers thinking about it. The title is called Armageddon and the Seven Last Plagues. Revelation 11:19 will be our opening text. Praise the Lord that you're here. Let's bow our heads together. Let's pray and lift up our hearts to Jesus Christ. Dear Father, dear God in heaven, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, our precious Savior, and we ask for the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Spirit to guide our minds as we understand or try to understand Scripture. Please bless me, bless us all, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Armageddon and the seven last plagues. Revelation chapter 11, the 19th verse. We've talked about this verse previously in the seminar. It's a power-packed text. The Bible says the temple of God was opened where? In heaven, right. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, an earthquake, and a great hail. Now this verse points to the temple in heaven where Jesus is, our great high priest, as this picture shows. And this verse also reveals that inside the temple is the ark. And what is inside the ark? We studied in this seminar, inside the ark is the law, the Ten Commandments. Now take a look at this screen and let me just illustrate what Jesus is doing for us right now in glory. He is ministering his precious blood in our behalf. The goal of his ministry up there is to apply his blood to our personal lives and to wash away all of our sins where we have broken the law of God. Isn't Jesus good? And that's what his whole ministry is all about. Now let's go to chapter 15. Revelation 15 verse 1. John saw so many things in this book. Chapter 15, verse 1, John said, I saw another sign in heaven. As he looked up there into glory in vision, great and marvelous, seven angels. Notice that word seven. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. I want, I want to share something with you very, very important from the Bible, from the book of Revelation. This number seven is used over and over and over again in the last book of the Bible. Let me just illustrate this for you quickly. You can study these verses out when you have a chance. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, it talks about seven churches, seven stars, and seven candlesticks. In Revelation chapter 4, there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. In Revelation chapter 5, there is a book with seven seals. And there's a lamb who opens that book, and he has seven horns and seven eyes, representing Jesus Christ. As you read Revelation chapter 8, it talks about seven angels who blow seven trumpets. In Revelation chapter 10, there are seven thunders that utter their voices. And here we just read in Revelation 15 verse 1, there are seven angels that come down with seven last plagues. Seven is God's holy special number. The Bible says God made the world in six days, and what day did he rest on? 
He rested on the seventh day. That number seven points to the authority of the Creator God, His power as the maker of heaven and earth. The fourth commandment that is up there inside the ark in the very heart of the law says, quote, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. There's again that number seven. And that commandment above all the commandments points to the authority and the power of the creator of heaven and earth. And we're going to discover this is a major issue as we get in to the seven last plague. Now let's go back to chapter 15. Revelation 15, let's look at verse 2. We just read verse 1 about the seven angels who have the seven plagues. In verse 2, the scripture says, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory, the victory over who? Over the beast. God wants people to get the victory over this beast power that we've been studying in our Bibles. The beast, as you study history and prophecy, is against the authority of the Creator. That's what this whole issue is all about. But God's going to have people who get the victory over the beast, and it also says over his image, which I talked about in my last meeting, and then it also says here, and over his what else? Over his mark. And actually, last night we talked all about the mark of the beast, and the truth was revealed that the Roman church has changed the Bible Sabbath, the seventh day pointing to the Creator, has changed it into Sunday, the first day of the week. Here's a statement on the screen from the Catholic record, September 1, 1923, where they come right out and boldly say, Sunday, which is the first day of the week, is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. And that's a shocking fact, but they come right out boldly and they say it. And if they're bold enough to say it, I should be bold enough to preach about it. And that's what they do. They come right out and they say, we change Sabbath into Sunday. And this is a mark that we are the true church. And the reason why they think they're the true church is because they had the power to do what nobody else could do. And that is change the holy Sabbath of God. And they think that points to a good thing to their spiritual power, but really, according to the Bible, it does not point to a good thing, but to a bad thing. And as we studied this last night, this ultimately, during the final days, will become the mark of the beast, the mark of Rome's authority that will be enforced by law all around the world. Now, Revelation 15, verse 2, says God is going to have people who get the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark. Hallelujah. And over what else? It also says, and over the number of his name. Now, what is that number? What is the number of his name? We studied this, and the number is 666. Now, think about it. 666 is almost seven, but not quite. Seven is God's number. All over the Bible, all over the book of Revelation, seven is there. And 666 is not quite seven, but almost and God is trying to reveal to us through these, these numbers, 666 and 7, He's trying to teach us many things. First of all, He's trying to teach us that, that truth is very close to error, and it takes great discernment to distinguish one or the other. There's a spiritual meaning behind 666. What day was man created on in the beginning of the world? God made him on the sixth day. And what day did He rest? He rested on the seventh day. 666, ultimately, in its deepest spiritual meaning, represents man who was made on the sixth day trying to go against 
and take the place of his creator who rested on the seventh day. That's what it's all about. It's ultimately a sign, a number that signifies in its spiritual dimension rebellion against the creator of the universe. That's what we're reading about. And the Bible says that God is going to have people spiritual people, spirit-filled people who at the end of time get the victory over the beast, over the image, over the mark, and over the number of his name. And they are following Jesus Christ 100%. Now let's keep going. Let's go to chapter 15. Revelation 15, let's look at verse 5. 15, 5. The drama continues. Verse 5 says, After this I looked, we just read verse 1 and 2, now we go down to 5. After this I looked, John says, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony, which is referring to the testimony of the tables of stone, was opened in heaven once again. So John is once again taken up into the heavenly temple where Jesus is. And then he goes on and says, wow, verse 6 says, seven angels came out of the temple having the seven the seven final plagues. Now, what's this telling us? Notice, think about this. This is saying that the seven angels that come down with the seven last plagues, where do they come from? They come from the temple, where the ark is, where the law is. In the heart of that law is the Sabbath commandment where the number seven is. And that's where the seven angels come down from to pour out the plagues upon a world which ultimately has followed the number 666. This is what's happening here. These plagues come down from the temple, where the law is, where the ark is, where the Sabbath commandment is, where Jesus Christ is right now. And the world really ought to be very, very thankful that at this point, those angels haven't come down yet and poured out those plagues. Isn't that right? This world has no idea, but they should be very, very appreciative of that fact. Reminds me of a story I heard about, about an atheist professor. He had a large university class. And one day he told his class, he said, class, God doesn't exist, and I'm going to prove this to you right now. And he said, I'm going to push my button here, and, and the, my clock's going to start counting out 60 seconds. And during those 60 seconds, I'm going to curse, I'm going to blaspheme, I'm going to swear at God, and I'm going to say, God, if you exist, strike me dead. And he said, you just watch. When 60 seconds is over, nothing's going to happen because there is no God. That's what he said. And so the students all held their breath, and this man pushed his button, and the seconds started ticking, and he started cursing and blaspheming and swearing and saying everything evil he could think of about God. And he said, God, if, you're exi if you really exist, I know you don't, but if you do, strike me dead right now. And after 60 seconds, guess what happened? Nothing. There was silence from heaven. And the professor said, you see, that proves it. There is no God. He doesn't exist, or he would have struck me dead. And there were a couple of Christians in the back of that classroom, and they whispered to one another, and one of them said to the other one, he said, that fool, he thinks he can wear out the patience of God in only 60 seconds. <laughs> no, God is a merciful God, amen? God is very good, and you can't just wear out God's patience like that. People have been breaking the law, people have been breaking the Sabbath, they've been doing all kinds of things for thousands and thousands of years. And yet the Lord's patience, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness continues even to this day. A whole lot longer than 60 seconds. Now let's go back to Revelation 16. Revelation 16, and what we're about to read in chapter 16, verse 1, we're going to discover, shockingly, 
that even though the Lord is patient and merciful, the time will come, according to the Bible, when his patience finally, after thousands of years, the great creator, the merciful God, his patience will come to an end. Revelation 16, verse 1 says, I heard a great voice. And where does the voice come from? It comes from the temple. That's the headquarters of God. The temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now notice the screen here, look at the slide. When this verse finally takes place, what that means is that Jesus' ministry up there is over. It's done, the temple is closed. Look at the blood there on the screen. When this verse is fulfilled, what that means is no more blood available to cleanse people from sin if they haven't already been cleansed. Chapter 16, verse one says, the voice says, go. The voice booms from the temple. After thousands of years, finally the doors close and the Lord says it's now finally time for the angels, the seven angels, to go down and pour out the seven last plagues upon a world that has rejected its creator. That's what we're reading about. So let's go, let's read these plagues. Chapter 16, verse two. The first angel pours out his plague the Bible says the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. Notice this is on the earth. I'm going to come back to this. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. These plagues fall after the mark of the beast is enforced by law. And everybody has a chance to make a choice. And when those choices are made, the door closes and then the plagues begin to fall. And the first plague is boils and sores upon those that get the mark. And what's gonna happen is strange, mysterious sores are gonna start appearing on people's bodies. And probably CNN and CBS and ABC and all the networks, they're gonna say, flash, mysterious sores are appearing on people's bodies, cause unknown. It's not melanoma, it's not any kind of skin cancer that we're aware of. We have no idea what this is. But those of us who have been coming to an Amazing Discoveries Prophecy Seminar, and those of us who have been studying our Bibles, we're gonna know what this is, aren't we? We're gonna know this is the mark of the beast. Now go back to chapter 15. Praise the Lord, the good news is not everybody's gonna get these sores. Chapter 15, verse two, we read about people who got the victory over the beast, the image, and the mark, and the number of his name, and if they get the victory, that means they don't get the mark. And the first plague comes on those that get the mark. Now, if people get the victory and don't get the mark, then guess what else they don't get? They don't get the plagues, right. Now, in, chap in chapter 15, verse three, it says that these people who get the victory will eventually sing the song of Moses. Now this is very significant. A lot is involved in this. The song of Moses was the song that the Israelites sang when they went through the Red Sea after they had been through all those plagues in Egypt. They had been protected by God during all those plagues. They went through the Red Sea, God saved them, delivered them, and on the other side in Exodus 15, they sang the song of Moses. And there's a lesson for us in this. And this is telling us that God's final people are going to be here during these plagues, just like the Israelites were in Egypt during those plagues. But just as God protected Israel back then during the 10 plagues, God is gonna be protecting his people during the final seven last plagues. And they'll sing the song of Moses, just like the Israelites sang so many thousands of years ago. Praise the Lord. So if we don't get the mark, if we follow our creator, our skin is gonna be smooth and we don't have anything to worry about from these plagues. Praise Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go back to chapter 16. Revelation 16, verse three. Here is plague number two. 
the second angel came down from the temple and he poured out his vial upon the sea. Now notice this, the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. Plague number one is the boils. Plague number two, the ocean turns to blood. And the ocean will become like a red sea. Now what sea did God bring his people through in the Old Testament? He brought them right through the Red Sea, didn't he? Those waters just parted and God brought them right through. And when this time comes, friends, God is gonna be protecting his people just like back there in ancient Egypt. And we're gonna be singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Hallelujah, we have nothing to worry about if we're trusting our Creator, if we're following the Bible, if we're following Jesus Christ. Let's go down to the next plague. Verse four, the third angel followed and poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters. Remember that, fountains of waters. And they became blood. Now what's going to happen is this is on the water tables, the fountains, the, the rivers, not the ocean. And probably what's going to happen is people are going to go into their bathrooms and turn on their faucets and think that regular, you know, water is going to come out and they're going to be shocked when they see this red, gooey liquid dropping right into their sinks. And they're going to take a look at this in a glass probably and they're going to be absolutely shocked and they're going to smell it and they're going to go oh my it smells just like blood it's my conviction when this time comes there's going to be a whole lot of people that feel their need for the blood of jesus christ that are going to want to be cleansed but when this time comes the door is closed the blood is no longer available people have made their final decisions and it's too late there's no going back back and forth but the Bible says in, let me just quote this, Isaiah 33 verse 16 says, bread will be given to us and our water shall be sure. So we don't have to worry. We're not gonna be drinking blood. We're not gonna be getting boils. You know, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear if we're trusting Jesus Christ and following the Bible. Hallelujah, that's good news. Okay, let's keep going. Revelation 16 verse eight. 16 verse eight, here's the fourth plague. The fourth angel, poured out his vial upon the sun. Remember that, the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Now, you know, I've been studying about this. I've, I've read this chapter many times. In fact, if you can see my Bible with good eyes, you'll see it's, it's soiled, it's marked up. I've studied this chapter a lot. And something just recently really hit me about these first four plagues. Let me show you a verse here, and then I'll show you something in Revelation 14, verse 7. Exodus 20 verse 11 quoting the fourth commandment the Bible says in six days the Lord made heaven the earth the sea and all that in them is and he rested the seventh day there's that number seven now let's go to Revelation 14 verse 7 take a look at this may God open our eyes to learn truth to make amazing discoveries Revelation 14 7 at the end of the verse this is the first angel's message it says worship him that made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of waters Do you see that and this is quoting the fourth commandment. This is a worldwide call before the plagues fall to the whole world to urge people to worship the Creator who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. Now when the mark of the beast is finally enforced by law and people have a chance to realize that the first day of the week really is not God's day, it was, it's the result of the influence of the Church of Rome, it's a day that really has substituted itself for the Sabbath that points to the Creator of heaven and earth and when they have a chance to see this, then they'll make their final decisions. Their final decisions. And those that make the wrong decision, what happens is when these plagues start falling, where do these plagues fall? If you go back to chapter 16, and we just read 
the fourth plague falls upon the sun, which is where the heavens are, right? God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Fourth plague is on the sun. In verse two, the first plague falls upon the earth. The second plague in verse three falls upon the sea. The fourth plague in verse four falls upon the fountains of waters. So the fourth commandment says, the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. The first angel says, worship him that made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. And then when the plagues start falling, where do they fall? They fall on the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. And that's God's way of trying to teach us through the book of Revelation that the real issue involved in this whole mark of the beast struggle has to do with the authority of the creator of heaven and earth. And when people reject the authority of their maker, what happens is God starts plaguing his own creation, revealing that he's the power, he's the one that is the ruler over all. But those who are following Jesus, who are following their creator, who are following the Bible, praise the Lord, they will be safe in the shade. Hallelujah. And we have nothing to fear from these scorching rays because we're being protected by our almighty creator. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have nothing to fear. Okay, let's keep going. Revelation 16, verse 10, plague number five. Verse 10 says, the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of, what's that next word? Darkness. Plague number five, after God is plaguing his creation, the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters, then he sends darkness upon the seat of the beast. Now, where is the seat of the beast? As we studied in this seminar, we've learned that the seat of the beast is, it's Rome. It's Rome. Now, why does God send darkness upon the seat of the beast? Well, I think there's a good reason. The reason is because traditions, traditions that have come from Rome have replaced the light of truth in God's word have replaced the Sabbath of the fourth commandment, has replaced the only commandment with the number seven in it that points to the creator of all life. And these traditions ultimately are dark traditions contrary to scripture and they go back to Rome. And God has recognized this. And during the fifth plague, he will send darkness right there to try to open the eyes of the people to help them to realize really what has happened. And I'm sure CNS, CNN and CBS and ABC and all the major networks, they'll be saying, flash, mysterious darkness has fallen upon the Vatican, cause unknown. But those of us who have been, studi those of us who have been studying our Bibles, we're going to know that this is the fifth plague, that God has sent darkness to impress the world, that they have strayed from the light, the light of the truth, the light of Jesus, the light of the Bible. Okay, let's keep going. Five down, two to go. Back to Revelation 16. Now let's go down to verse 12. Plague number six. Verse 12 says, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now there is a lot in this text. In fact, I've written, I've written a whole book that deals with a lot of this subject. I've written a book, I mentioned this the other night, called Exploding the Israel Deception. This book, for the benefit of the tape and our future viewers, is now available. I have a chapter which is in this book. Chapter 10 is when the river Euphrates runs dry. And I study this in great, great detail. There's a lot of people that think 
that when this is fulfilled, this means the literal river Euphrates over in the Middle East is going to run dry. But there's a whole lot more to this subject than just a river trickling through what is now modern Iraq. Let's go to chapter 17. There's too much that I, I can't tell you everything that I know about this right now, but I'll tell you some things. Revelation chapter 17. Let's take a look at the first verse. Now, actually, before I read that, I want to make a comment. In the Revelation is based upon events of the Old Testament by and large. Seven last plagues go back to the ten plagues of Egypt. Over and over again, Revelation has roots that go back to the Old Testament. When Revelation talks about the river Euphrates and Babylon, this actually takes us back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a real city, Babylon, and it sat upon a real river Euphrates. That was what happened in the Old Testament. Now, in the book of Revelation, we have another river Euphrates, and we have another Babylon. Revelation 17, verse 1. 17, 1. John says, There came one of the seven angels, there's that number seven again, who had the seven vials, and he talked with me, and he said to me, Come hither, I will show to thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Now, we just read in chapter 16, there's a great river Euphrates. And here in this verse, there's a great whore, great whore, and where does she sit? She sits on many waters. Now, where did ancient Babylon sit? On the literal river. Now, what about in the book of Revelation? In chapter 17, verse 5, the scripture says, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. So here's a mystery Babylon. It's not talking about the Middle East here. It's talking about a worldwide false religious system. Mystery Babylon. Now notice verse 15. This is the shocking text. Verse 15 says, He said to me, the angel interprets this to John, and he said, The waters which you saw where the whore sits. So here's this woman called Babylon the Great. Where does she sit? She sits upon these waters of the Euphrates the Great. And what does the, what does the great river Euphrates mean in the book of Revelation? Here's the answer. Verse 15 says, The waters which you saw where the whore sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In other words, just like in the Old Testament, a literal city of Babylon sat upon a literal river Euphrates, so in the book of Revelation, we have a spiritual Babylon that sits upon a spiritual river Euphrates. And verse 15 interprets the symbolism for us and tells us plainly that the waters that the woman is sitting upon do not refer to that river that's trickling through modern Iraq in the Middle East. But the waters represent peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues all around the world that support Babylon and her global deceptions. This is what we're reading about. The river Euphrates represents the support system, spiritual Babylon, especially down at the end of time. Now, when these plagues start falling, when the Creator starts plaguing His creation, his creation and the fifth plague hits and darkness is upon the seat of the beast, what's going to happen is finally the eyes of people are going to be opened, and they're going to realize that they've been deceived. They've been misled by false religion. And when the multitudes of people around the world have their eyes opened and they realize they've been deceived by Babylon, then what's going to happen is their support for this system is going to dry up. And that's how the river is going to run dry. And what is it that's going to dry it up? 
If you go back to chapter 16, verse 12, the Bible says the sixth angel pours out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. I've heard modern interpreters say that, that Turkey is going to dam up the river Euphrates, and that's going to cause it to run dry. That's just not true. That's a false interpretation. It's based upon a literalism that doesn't understand the symbolism of the book of Revelation. When you read verse 12, look at it. What is it that dries up the river? Is it Turkey? Is it some dam? No. The scripture says it's the sixth angel pouring out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And that vial is one of the vials of the wrath of God. And when the wrath of God begins to fall upon this world and these plagues fall one by one by one upon God's creation and upon the seed of the beast and there's darkness, then people's eyes are going to be opened and they're going to realize as God's wrath falls upon them that they have been deceived by false religion and their support for false religion will dry up. And this will prepare the way for the kings from the east. Now let me ask you, what direction is Jesus Christ coming from? He's coming from the east. That's right. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 27, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes all the way to the west, he said, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king coming down from the east. He's the one that sends his final judgments upon Babylon. And he's the one that leads the waters to dry up through sending his final judgments upon a world that has rejected its creator. Finally, after thousands of years of mercy, finally the world crosses over the line. And it's finally too late. And these plagues, these plagues fall. And this is what this whole chapter is all about. Okay, let's go back to chapter 16. And let's take a look at verse 13. There's more to come. We're not done yet. Chapter 16, verse 13. And I believe that verse 13 and 14 actually backs up and is really describing something that's happening right now. Verse 13 says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Let me talk about these frogs for a little bit. Frogs was one of the plagues of Egypt. All these plagues take us back, or most of them, back to lessons in the Old Testament. Just like ancient Babylon, we go back to the Old Testament to learn about modern Babylon. The river Euphrates, we go back to the Old Testament to learn about how ultimately that river even was dried up in the Old Testament by Cyrus, who came from the east, who conquered Babylon and delivered Israel. That's a whole other study. But there's all kinds of lessons from the Old Testament that take us to the New Testament. And when it talks about frogs, there were frogs in Egypt. That was one of the plagues. In Exodus chapter 8, verses 3 and verse 6, the Bible says uh, Aaron stretched out his, his hand, his rod, or Moses stretched out his rod, and all these frogs came up out of, the, out of the Nile River, and they covered the land. They were everywhere. They went into people's bedrooms. They went into their ovens. They were all over the place. Frogs everywhere in Egypt. Now, what's the lesson for us in that? When the Bible has, says here, three unclean spirits like frogs... If there were frogs in Egypt covering the land, and here it talks about frogs, God is trying to tell us that these frog-like deceptive influences are going to cover the land in the last days, and they're going to be everywhere. They're going to be all over the place. Let's look back at the text. The text says there's three unclean spirits, three of them like frogs. They come out of three places. The first one is the dragon. The dragon is a symbol 
of guess who? The devil himself. So here's these evil spirits coming out of the mouth of the dragon. And then it also says they come out of the mouth of the beast. And what's the beast of prophecy? The beast is the church of Rome. We've studied about that. And then it also says that they come out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now some people think the false prophet is one man coming at the end of time. That's not true. That's not true. The beast does not refer to one man, does it? The beast refers to a whole system of deception. And so what about the false prophet? The false prophet, as I've studied this, first of all, what comes out of false prophets anyway? False prophecy. False prophecy comes out of false prophets. And as I've studied this, I think this whole idea of a false prophet involves a massive global system centered especially in America. A massive system of false prophecy about end time events. In the Old Testament, the frogs covered the land. They went into people's, even into people's bedrooms, the Bible says. A lot of times today, people want to learn about prophecy, and so they go to their Christian bookstores and they rent, they rent movies. And they go into their bedrooms, you know, they sit down, they pop some popcorn, and they stick them in their VCRs, and they're watching all these movies about the Antichrist coming at the end of time, and, and him stamping people with this literal mark of the beast, and all these different things take place after the rapture. And what's happening when they're doing that? What's happening is, the frog of false prophecy is right in their bedroom, going right into their minds, trying to teach them things that are not true. How many of you have ever heard the idea that the beast is only one man coming at the end of the world? Have you heard that idea? Guess where that idea comes from? Ribbit. It's the frog of false prophecy. That's the truth. Have you ever heard the idea that the, that the beast comes only after the church is gone? The church has disappeared when the beast comes. Where does that idea come from? Ribbit, that's the frog of false prophecy. Have you heard the idea that we're not going to be here during the plagues? When the plagues fall, we'll all be gone. That's not. God's people were right there in Egypt, protected. Where does that idea come from? <laughs> Comes from the frog of false prophecy. How about the idea that the mark of the beast is just a literal mark on your skin or an implant in your head or on your hand? That's so obvious. That's so obvious. That's not, that's not the way it's going to happen. We studied this last night. We showed that the mark of the beast in the forehead refers to the mind, and the hand refers to the action. So where does this idea come from? The people are watching in their videos and movies as they sit in their living rooms and bedrooms popping popcorn. Where does it come from? Ribbit, that's right. It comes from the frog of false prophecy. You're never going to forget this illustration, are you? I'm not trying to make light of the Word of God. Believe me, I'm just trying to use this as an illustration to help you to remember what we're talking about and to watch out for those frogs. Let's go back to chapter 16. Let's look at it again. Revelation 16, verse 13. John says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, just like in Egypt. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, referring to the devil, symbol of the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, the symbol of the church of Rome and out of the mouth of the false prophet. The spirit of the frog comes right out of the mouth of the false prophet. There's a lot of symbolism involved in this, a lot of symbolism. And where do, where do these spirits go, and what do they teach, and how far out do they go? Verse 14 says, they are the spirits of devils, and they work miracles, and they go forth to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. 
So here's three unclean spirits speaking through the mouths of these symbolic expressions going out to the whole world, trying to prepare the whole world for the final battle. Now, I, I want to show you something very, very important. How many frogs are there, again, that we just read about? Three. Why are there three anyway? I think there's a reason, because if you go back to chapter 14, Revelation 14 talks about three of something else. Chapter 16 has the three frogs. Some people call that the, the counterfeit trinity, the devil's trinity. But when you go to chapter 14, it talks about three what? Three angels. Woo! Isn't that powerful? Three frogs, three angels. Have you ever thought about that? It hit me like a bolt one day. I studied this and I thought, man, three frogs, why three? And then I thought, three angels, yeah, that's it. Three angels represent God's movement in the world. Three frogs represent the devil's counterfeit. That's what it's all about. Let's go back and let's look at chapter 14. Here's God's message. Revelation 14, verse 6. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel of Jesus to preach to them that dwell upon the earth to every nation. This is worldwide. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So here's a message represented by an angel flying in the midst of heaven for the whole world at the end of time. Verse 7, he says with a loud voice, please listen, people. Fear God. Give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. So here's God's message pointing to the creator of heaven and earth. Do you see it? First angel. Now here, look on the screen and you see these are the elements of the first angel's message. The gospel is the gospel of Jesus. Fear God, which means put him first above anybody else. The judgment time has come for the world. People have to make final decisions whose side they're on. And then it says, worship the creator of heaven and earth. These are the elements of the first angel's message. And then you go to verse 8, and we have the second angel's message. Verse 8 says, there followed another angel. And he said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city. Babylon the great, who sits upon the great river Euphrates, representing all the people around the world that support Babylon. She's fallen because she made all the nations worldwide drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The wine refers to her false doctrines, and the world is drunk with the wine of Babylon right now. That's the second angel. Third angel, in verse 9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice. Now, when it says third, that shows us that there's three, right? Third angel with a loud voice. If any man worships the beast that we've studied about and his image that we've studied about and receive his mark that we've studied about in his forehead, referring to his mind, or in his hand, referring to his actions, the same, that person shall drink the wine of the wrath of God. So the third angel says, don't worship the beast, don't worship the image, and don't get the mark. And this message is to be preached all over the world, right? That's what it's saying. That's the whole context. Now, some people say to me, they say, Steve, you know, somebody said to me tonight, they said, Steve, you preaching these kind of things, you need a bodyguard. And I think to myself, if, God, if my creator can't protect me, you know, then what's the use anyway? God gave me a message that has to be preached, right? 
Somebody's got to preach this, and it's not just me. I'm not the only one doing this. There's people around this world right now that are preaching the three angels' messages, and they're doing it with all the, the strength that God gives them, as best as they can. Now, if you go down to verse 12, it concludes the third angel's message says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the third angel points back to the commandments, which are in the ark, which are up there in the temple of heaven. And then it says, and also the faith of Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus Christ. Do both, not just one or the other. Don't follow the commandments but reject Jesus. But don't follow Jesus only and reject the commandments. The third angel says, do them both, right? It's right there. It's right there. Now, what you're looking at on the screen, friends, you are looking at the final message of God to the whole world represented by three angels in the heart of the book of Revelation. That is the truth. And then we've also read in chapter 16, we have three unclean spirits like frogs from the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And at the end of time, we are in the midst of a battle between false prophecy and true prophecy. Three angels, three frogs. Did you see that? And we all have to make a choice. When we hear the true message, we have to decide. Are we going to be on the side of the three angels or the side of the three frogs? That's it. Now, as you think about this and read Revelation and think about frogs and think about angels, you know, this frog really is kind of cute, but frogs generally are pretty ugly, aren't they? Frogs are rather ugly. And if you think about what would you rather follow? Would you rather follow a frog or a holy angel? Take your pick. I'd rather be on the side of the angels, wouldn't you? Uh, frogs are ugly. Angels. Angels are from God. They're beautiful. Not that God didn't make frogs, but the Bible refers to unclean spirits like frogs. Frogs are unclean. The Bible says we shouldn't eat them anyway. But angels are heavenly and holy. And, and I'd rather be on the side of the angels than on the side of the frogs, wouldn't you? Okay, now let's keep going. We've got more to do. We're not done yet. Let's go back to chapter 16. The frogs don't want us to understand the three angels' messages, and they're working to counteract those messages left and right. When somebody comes to a seminar like this and starts learning about the three angels, about the Creator, about Babylon, about the Mark, sometimes they go out to their friends and they say, you know, I'm learning all these things. And people say, oh, don't go to that seminar. Don't learn all those things. They're not teaching you about the rapture. They're not teaching you about the mark being an implant. They're not teaching you about the beast being a one-man antichrist. And they say, don't go. And I think to myself, brother, you know, those frogs are speaking right now, aren't they? The frogs are working all around the world to try to lead us away from the three angels' messages. Don't be deceived by those frogs. Revelation 16, verse 16. 16, 16 says, the Bible says, he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now let me try to shed some light on this verse. I don't have all the light on any subject, neither on the Battle of Armageddon, but I do have a lot of light on this. I've done a lot of study and I've tried to put a lot of pieces together. Let me just tell you a few things about this word, Armageddon. This word is only used one time in the Bible. Revelation 16, 16, it's the only place, only place. Fact number two, when you read the context of this word, it's very clear that the battle of Armageddon is a worldwide global battle involving the dragon, the beast, the false prophet against God Almighty. 
That's what it's really all about. I have a chapter in my book. This book is available tonight. There's a chapter in this book called Frogs, Fables, and Armageddon. And it goes into what the Bible really says. Let's look at it. Look at chapter 16, verse 13. Let's just read the whole context. Verse 13 says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet with its false prophecies. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth to the kings of the earth and of how many people? Of the whole world. This is global. To gather them all to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Verse 15, Jesus says, Behold, I come as a thief. He hasn't come yet in this verse. Some people say, well, Jesus is going to come before all this happens and get us out of here. That's false prophecy. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he that watches. And he's not talking about watching a lot of TV or watching those frogs on those videos. He says, Blessed is he that watches. And we need to be watching out for deception, not watching them and being deceived. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, which is the garments of his righteousness that he puts upon believers when they trust in him. Lest he walk naked, which is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden when they yielded to the subtleties of the devil. And they see his shame. It's a warning of Jesus. And then verse 16 says, He gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue. And what's the word? Armageddon. So look at the whole context. It's the three unclean spirits going out to the whole world to gather them all for the final battle against God. And then Jesus warns, I'm coming as a thief. Watch out. Don't be deceived by these spirits. And then verse 16 says, he gathered them together to the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Have you ever heard the idea that Armageddon is only a Middle East battle between the Russians and the Chinese and the Jews? Have you ever heard that idea? Guess where that idea comes from? Say it with me. Ribbit. <laughs> That's right. It's the truth. That idea comes from the frog of false prophecy. Because when you look at it, it's very, very plain from the whole context. We're talking about a worldwide gathering for a final global battle. And there's a lot more information on this word, on what it means in my book, Exploding the Israel Deception. Now let's go back to chapter 16. The Bible says that when they're all gathered together for the battle of Armageddon, which is not just a Middle East battle, that's what the false frog is telling us, but it's worldwide. When everyone's in place, and we'll read in just a moment, 17 through 21 is the grand finale. But before the grand finale finally hits, in these days, people have to make their final decisions. Are they going to be on the side of Jesus Christ, on the side of the three angels, on the side of the truth, on the side of the heavenly temple, the ark, the law, and the number seven? Or are they going to be on the side of the three frogs, which are deceiving the whole world and leading people astray and preparing mankind to be on the wrong side at Armageddon? One of these days, everybody's going to settle into their place. Settle into their place. Now, there's a lot of people right now that are learning this message for the first time, and I dare say you probably haven't quite settled in what side you're on yet, have you? Some people are wrestling with this and they're thinking, where am I going to end up? But eventually, when this time finally comes, everybody's going to be settled in on one side or the other. All of us. Three angels, three frogs. Devil or Jesus Christ. Error or truth. 
And when everybody is settled in, one side or the other, verse 17 will take place. These plagues will fall, and the seventh angel will pour out his final vial. Notice, verse 17 says, The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of what temple? Out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. So the only time the word Armageddon is used is Revelation 16, 16. And right when the world is gathered to this mystical place, this symbolic place, and Armageddon really means mountain, R meaning mountain, Megiddo meaning slaughter, the global mountain of slaughter representing the devil's global kingdom about to come crashing down. There's more information on this in my book. I have a chapter called Thunder from Heaven, Heaven's Temple. False prophecy is teaching that over in the Middle East, that's where the battle is, and it centers around an earthly temple. Have you heard that? An earthly temple rebuilt, and that's where the battle of Armageddon centers around. But the book of Revelation says Armageddon, and then the voice thunders from the heavenly temple. We're dealing with truth and error. We're dealing with right and wrong. I've got a chapter again called Thunder from Heaven's Temple, and it's very significant that right after the gathering for Armageddon takes place, the voice thunders from heaven from the temple up there and says, it is done. Verse 18 says there were voices, there were thunders, there was lightning, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. This earthquake is probably going to be 50.9 on the Richter scale. It's going to be the biggest quake that's ever hit this planet. And believe me, it's going to shake a whole lot more than the Middle East. A whole lot more. Verse 19 says, The great city, referring to Babylon, was divided. When, the, when everything comes crashing down, it's divided into three parts. And what are those three parts? The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. It comes crashing down at Armageddon. And the cities of the nations fall all around the world. Tokyo, Moscow, New York, Los Angeles, Detroit, Paris. Cities crumble everywhere. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then verse 20 says, Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. This is worldwide, isn't it? Global, not Middle East-centered. And then verse 21 says, There fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is approximately 158 pounds. Wow. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. But you know what? If we're following our Creator, if we're following Jesus Christ, we don't have to dodge hailstones. We don't have to worry about the sun scorching us. We don't have to worry about any of these plagues because God is going to be protecting His people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And then what's going to happen when the seventh plague is over? Clouds going to appear in the east. It's going to be the sign of the Son of Man coming in power and glory. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus coming down from the eastern skies, coming down to fully, totally conquer Babylon and to deliver, deliver His people. People that He has protected people that love Him, people that have been washed in the blood, forgiven for all their sins, people that trust Jesus like a child, trusts a parent, and who've been forgiven and cleansed, and they've had all their sins just completely removed through the blood. People that love Jesus, love Him so much that they love Him enough to keep His commandments, 
commandments that are up there in the ark, including the fourth commandment that has that number, that number seven, the seventh day pointing to the Creator. They've loved Jesus, they've kept the law, they've kept the commandments, they've kept the Sabbath, and they have been protected by the Creator in the midst of all these plagues. And they've been preserved and kept alive and taken care of through the ministry of angels. And then when Jesus breaks through the clouds as King of kings and Lord of lords, he's coming to get them and pick them up and bring them to glory. Hallelujah. It's going to be the greatest airlift in the history of this world. And friends, I want to make sure that I'm one of those that goes up. Don't you? So what are we going to do? What are you going to do? Whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of Jesus who loves you or on the side of the devil who wants to destroy you, who hates you? Are you going to be on the side of the three angels or on the side of the three frogs? We all have to decide which one, right? Three angels or three frogs. I hope we're on the side of Jesus, on the side of the three angels, not on the side of those frogs. Our last text is Revelation 14, verse 12. These are the people that will be protected, that will be preserved from all of these plagues. Revelation 14, 12. Here's the truth of the third angel's message true prophecy for the last days. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God as God gave them, and they have the faith of Jesus. I want to be among this people, don't you? I hope that you do. I know you do. Let's trust in Jesus. Let's follow God. We don't need to be afraid. We'll be protected during all these plagues. We'll be taken up to glory when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support and may God richly bless your day.